Um, you know, we've been doing this for 42 years. And um, 41. And, uh, you know, you try to try to bring something new. Brother Hagen said, no, nah, just keep telling the same thing. They didn't catch it the first time. So, uh, but, you know, um, by the end of this message, you'll, you'll, you'll see a little better. Um, I'm just beating around the bush because I'm hesitant to give this message this morning after I wrote it, but uh, you'll understand when we, when we get through. I, I'll, I'll give you the title, The Day God Was Estranged from His Family. <laughs> you say, what in the world does that have to do with a baby in the manger? Well, he's in there. So you'll see. You'll see why he came. You know, it's all a part of God's tapestry. You know, I have, I have talked to people. Um, talked to people through the years <clears throat> that have been estranged from, from their spouse, from their children from one or both of the parents. Uh, or, or we could put it this way, they, they lost someone maybe. And for whatever reason, that, that, that person or persons meant a great deal to them at one point. And you know, in most cases, when, when I, I talk to these people, uh, you, can, you can still hear the pain the pain that they feel, that even though it's been a while, they, they still, that pain still lingers. Um, today, we're, we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And uh, you must be wondering, well, what in the world are you talking about estrangement for? Just stick with me. You know, in the Jewish culture, a man would... Uh, men were, were expected to be married by at least 30. And uh, they would very often <clears throat> begin preparing uh, for this woman that hadn't showed up yet, but they're preparing. They uh, began to... to um, they, they build a house or they buy one, whatever, for this, for this new wife. And they begin filling this house with things that uh, she'll need. You know. And uh, he, he sets up the house with as many things as possible to make her happy when, when she finally shows up. And I know a lot of you women are thinking, well, I would sure like to see what he buys before he buys it to put in my house. <laughs> well, you know, things were different back then. But you know, this is a picture. This is a picture of God. He prepared everything. 
and, and he prepared everything with the intention of having a family. I mean, everything. You go back and you read Genesis, start reading in Genesis and go along in there and you think, wow, all of the things that he brought into existence, all of the things he did and prepared and set up for this family, a family that he doesn't even have yet. And... Um, At, you know, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, I think it was. Uh, I, all my life when I have thought about Adam and Eve in the garden, they were running around in their birthday suit. But they weren't. God prepared everything. They were covered in glory. And when, uh, when, when God brought Eve to Adam and he sees her, he's not seeing a play, playboy bunny. She's covered in the glory. And you know, when, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit that she, they weren't supposed to have, the light comes on and Adam goes, we're, we're naked. We're naked in the garden. And they, they run around there trying to put stuff together to clothe themselves. You know, if you've ever seen a, a fig leaf they're rough, prickly, and Adam is sewing this stuff together. Man's effort to cover their sin. But the glory was gone. Adam and Eve, you know, he, God had created all kinds of different fruits, nuts, um, all kinds of things for them to eat. And they said, he told them, you can eat anything in the garden with the exception of this one tree. Don't eat, that, don't eat of that fruit. And you know, it, it's, it would seem Adam was there by himself with God when he heard this. And he had to convey to the wife, to Eve, don't eat of this one because there's consequences. When you eat of this and it's not good. <clears throat> the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, you know, he already was partaking of the knowledge of good. God just didn't want him to be exposed to the evil. So, you know, they, they were told there would be negative consequences if you eat of this, and both of them ate of it. I wonder sometimes if, 
if when the snake showed up and he was talking to Eve and, and he convinced her to eat of the tree, um, you know, Adam was right there. He wasn't off counting bugs somewhere. He was right there. And he saw what was going on. I think he was just, I heard Charles Cap say this one time. He said he was thinking about this and, and Adam was right there and he was like, Adam had his mouth hanging open because there was a snake that was talking. He'd never seen a snake talk. He, you know. But what would, I wonder what would have happened if she handed him the fruit and, and he, he said, no. God said, not this tree. I wonder what would have happened. Would God have made a way of redemption for her right then? I don't know. But anyway, what does it mean being estranged? Let me give you a definition out of a, a dictionary. Having lost former closeness and affection. You know, I, we have no idea how long they were in the garden. Depending on some denominations, they were only in there 24 hours, basically, and Adam messed up. We don't know how long they were there. It means in a state of alienation from a, a previous close or familiar relationship. The Bible says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. And it would, it would appear they both looked forward to this time of fellowship. Boy, how would you like to have been a, been a fly on the wall for that one? Wow. The conversations. This separation came because of one thing. This estrangement. You know, when, when people are, have that kind of a relationship and all of a sudden they're, they're estranged, there is a, a tearing a hurt, a pain of having lost something. Having lost something that you can't replace. And this, this thing comes because of sin. You know, God, God uh, did not allow them to remain in His presence because His presence would have consumed them because of the sin. So for love's sake, he backs away, and they're put out of the garden. Suddenly, God was separated from a family that he had, he had loved so much. You know, think about it. The extent that he went to to prepare everything for these people. And now this happens. So, let's jump down the road a little ways. God, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. Let's jump ahead in time. 
God is, is reaching out to men and he is, he is establishing a covenant relationship. He, he established a covenant relationship with Abram whereby Abram could be blessed and all of his descendants partake of that blessing. So even though God was estranged from humanity, he was still determined to love them. That love just doesn't quit. Lydia, was, Lydia came in the bedroom this morning. I'm trying to get dressed, and she's trying to give me something, to, some uh, lemon water to drink. And I said, would you just put that down? She says, it's a good thing I love you. <laughs> She's my live-in nurse. She's trying to keep me hydrated and pumped with all kinds of pills. <laughs> not, not pills. They're vitamins and they're minerals and they're this and they're that. And they're... Have you ever heard Kenneth Copeland talk about it? Yeah. He said, I don't take medicine, but I take a ton of pills. <laughs> All kinds of stuff that I ask. I said, what does this one do? She said, I've told you three times already. Why don't you? <laughs> a hundred times. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here God, God comes to Abram and makes a covenant with him. And you know, this is not something that is strange to Abram. Obviously, he, he understood what God was talking about. So apparently, this was something that was already in the culture, the, the covenant thing. And... Um, He, he, God's reaching out to establish. Uh, it's, it's not quite the relationship that Adam and Eve had with him, but he's trying to establish a relationship with mankind whereby he could bless them. That was the thing. He wanted them blessed. And you know that, that covenant is still in action today for the child of God. Through, through Christ, we have that covenant relationship. We see God, see him, he, he comes to Abram, and it passes on to Isaac and Jacob, which was later called Israel. Now look at this. Jacob, the, the, the name Jacob, God wants to change that name to Israel. I believe that, that God wanted the blessing in, the, in that relationship to reach more and more, even outside of the Jews. Now, please, I'm not, that's not a derogatory statement. I'm not making any negative thing about Israel at all. You've got to be dumb to do that. The ones that bless Israel, they're blessed. I'm blessing them. But God wants, this, God wants this thing to, to spread out. 
You know, he, he still, God still cared for, for Ishmael, even though he wasn't, he wasn't um, how can I say this? He wasn't part of the covenant thing. You know, we had, we had a, a friend that uh, this man went to the same, to the same church as us. <clears throat> he was a black man. And uh, he had four or five boys. And one of them worked in the mall there in Tulsa at a, uh, uh, a, uh, a clothing store, clothing department store. And the department store was run by, uh, was owned by a Jew. And one day, um, this, this man came in and, and he asked this friend of ours the name of, asked the son what was his name. Ishmael. Two days later, he was gone. His father came and, and he, you know, he father found out about it and he says, son, what would you think about changing your name? He didn't think anything about it when he named him at, at his birth. You know, a biblical name. But the son says, you know, I've always liked the name Michael. So they changed his name. A Jew fired a kid because his name was Ishmael. <clears throat> anyway, pressing on here. Um, <clears throat> John 3.16. Let me read this to you. We don't have these uh, translations, so we can't put them up on the screen. Um, John 3.16 and 17. This is the Bible in basic English. For God so loved the, the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever has faith in him may not come to destruction, but have eternal life. You know, a lot of people, they stop right there, but go on. Verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world. The world had already been judged through Adam. You realize that? You say, but I didn't do it. I didn't do what Adam did. It doesn't make any difference. That's just the way it works. It, it goes on down through the line, through the uh, line of humanity. He sent him so that the world might have salvation through him. This is the uh, CEV version. I'm just going to read the first part here. For God so loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son. I thought, you know, that, that's a good translation. He, we, we think of the world as the ball that we live on, but God's talking about people. He, he loved people so much. And uh, when Jesus came on the scene... He's, he's down by the Jordan one day, and John the Baptist is baptizing people, or his, his disciples were doing the baptizing. And uh, the uh, New King James says this, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, 
but he's talking to the talking to his disciples. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Nothing has been said about this until this point. I believe John's prophesying. The Lamb of God. Uh, John was raised in a Levitical home. His father was Ezekiel. Zechariah, that's it, Zechariah. And uh, he was one of the priests. He was, he was in the temple burning incense. That was part of his duty when this angel shows up to him and tells him about Elizabeth. Elizabeth is going to become pregnant and you're going to have a son, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, he starts talking unbelief to this angel. And the angel, God must have said, we got to shut him up or he's going to mess this whole thing up. So he was, he was silent, couldn't speak for nine months. <laughs> Meditating. Meditating, that's right. So John was, was the, the forerunner for Jesus, and he was... He was talking to people about the Messiah that's coming. And he says, behold the Lamb of God. That was a little bit Levitical term for the Lamb that was used uh, on, on, for the, uh, the blood, the redemptive work of the sin of people. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This, this, is, this is one reason... And there were, there were several. There are sev several, but this is one, one of the major ones. reason that Jesus came into the world was to take away our sin. Or we could say it like this, Jesus came into the world that we might have new life. The old sin had to be gone, had to be taken away for us to have that new life. So anyway, that, that sin was the reason for the estrangement, our estrangement from God, as well as, as uh, causing sickness, disease, poverty, lack, suffering, and every evil thing that came, came because of what Adam did. Now it says that Eve was deceived, but Adam, he knowingly sinned. Um, let me read this to you. I'm a, I'm gonna. I have been reading this. This is the new. It's a modern English version. Uh, it's really good. I want to read to you from Romans four. <clears throat> and this is this is referring to Abram. Abram. Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness for him. Therefore the promise came through faith so that it might be, be uh, by grace that the promise should be certain to all the descendants, not only to, the, to those who are of the law, but to those who are of faith, of, Abra of the faith of Abraham, who in, 
who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have, I have made you a father of many nations. Before him whom, whom he believed, who raised the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Against all hope, he believed in hope. In other words, against all hope, there was, there was no, uh, she had ne his wife had never had any indication she was pregnant. So she was, you know, all these years she's been barren. So there's really no hope, but, but against all hope, he believed in what God had said that brought hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver. Uh, you know, all of this, these are examples to us, how we should do. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. The New King James said he, he became strengthened in faith by giving glory. Uh, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, here's where I want to pick up. Now, the word, it was credited to him, uh, were not written for his sake only, but also for us. Also for us, in whom it shall be credited if we believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our transgressions and was raised for our justification. Now, let's go on down to chapter 5. Therefore, since we have, have been justified, in other words, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. Peace. He's not mad at you. Even so, even those you may mess up and do some dumb things, God is not mad at you. I like something I heard Kenneth Copeland say one time. He was talking to the Lord, and he says, Lord, he said, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to him and says, Kenneth, I love you, but some of the things you do I'm not real happy about. Well, you stop and think about what he said. I love you, but I'm not real happy with some of the stuff you're doing. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You need to get a hold of that. I stand in grace. 
I stand in the grace of God. And so we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in tribulation, knowing, okay, that's not, that's not where I want to go. Verse 6. While we were yet weak, in other words, we were not able to do anything about the sin issue in our life. Hello? There's nothing I could do to change that. While we were yet weak in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now think about that. Christ died for me. You think it did any good? Verse 17. Seventeen. One thing I do not like about some of these Bibles, they put it in paragraph form instead of verses. You've got to find the number. For if by one man's trespass, talking about Adam, death reigned through him, then how much more will those who receive abundance... Now look, listen to this then how much more will those who receive abundance of grace? You've got to receive it. And of the gift of righteousness. You know, there's things that I was taught growing up. You're just an old sinner saved by grace. You know you can't be both. It's one or the other. I was a sinner, but I got saved by grace. And he gave me his righteousness. Not mine. The Bible says our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our, our trying to make ourselves acceptable to God, our, our works trying to, to make ourselves justified. It's works, your works, and they stink. But it's His righteousness that He has given me. And the gift of righteousness reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as through the, the, the uh, just as through the trespass of one man came condemnation to all men, so through the righteous act of one came justification of life to all men. For just as though through just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man, one, the man, uh, the, the many, excuse me, the many will be made righteous. But the law entered so that sin might increase, but where sin increased, 
grace abounded much more. So that just as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through, through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, let's come on down here into chapter 6. What shall we say then? You know, you would think people today would know better. But I, I know people in this town that are, quote, Christians. Or let's put it this way. They're trying to pass themselves off as Christians. But they're living in open adultery. And I mean open. But yet they, they're saying, you know, I'm going to heaven. Well, according to the scriptures, if you're practicing sin, you don't have the life of God in you. You know, if you, if you don't have a, an amplified Bible, the classic version, you need to get one of those. Because it, it brings out how that people that practice sin, you know, there's a difference between people that practice and people that mess up and they come and repent. Anyway, let me go on. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? Notice what, apparently somebody brought this up to, to Paul. And he says, God forbid. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that, that we who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now that last phrase, I want you to, to uh, make a note of it. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. And uh, that, that is really good. Isaiah 53. I want you to look with me at what Jesus did. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of Pains, pains and acquainted with sickness and disease. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Despite all the things that he was doing, we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and diseases and carried our pains. Yet, 
it, it says here esteem. I, was, I looked that up one time, and you can, you can stick, stick the word considered. Yet we considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. You know, there at the cross, the Pharisees were making, mocking him and saying, you know, he said this and that. Well, let God deliver him off the cross. In other words, they were saying this was, this was God doing this to him. He was smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our. Go back and read through here. And look, look, look at where these different things were put on him. He was despised, and we did not consider, did not esteem him. Surely he has borne what? Our. This is something you need to make very personal. You know, you 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 find people that get mad about something, and uh, somebody said something to them, and it's, you you tell them, you know, you just don't make this so personal. Get around this thing. Surely he has borne my sicknesses and diseases and carried my pain. Yet we considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's what that baby was in the, in the manger. That's where he was headed. The chastisement of our peace, my peace, was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I want to read this to you from the Amplified. This is just precious. I love this. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. I'm just curious. I don't want to see any hands, but I'm just curious. Were you ever chastised by your daddy or your mama? I can see some people going, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chastisement Needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was put on him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. The penalty that was mine was put on him. so that I could go free. Now I come to this, you know, we, we, we're, we're reading what, what Jesus went through for us. Now let's, let's come to the other side of the cross. Ephesians chapter 2. And really, if you read Ephesians 1, 
uh, verse 15 all the way to the end, down to 23, and you see what Jesus uh, is talking about him. But, I, you know, one time I was reading it, and it was the strangest thing as I was meditating on it. It was talking about Jesus, but he was talking about me. He did it, but it was for me. It was on my credit card. Ephesians 2.1 And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in whom you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Let me, see, let me see the hands of all the sons of disobedience. Huh? No, I said, I want to see the, one, see the hands of those that are. You put your hands up, you better come up here and get saved. <laughs> see, this is, this is the thing you need to see. These are the things that used to, the, the spirit of disobedience the prince of the power of the air was working in us. But now that we're born again, verse 3, among, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind <clears throat> and were by, by nature children of wrath just as others. But, woo! That's a good but. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even from the Garden of Eden till now, he loves us. That great mercy is, is extended to me. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead, even when we were dead in trespasses, he still loved us. Made us alive together with Christ. Now follow this. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And raised us, raised us together. Not me and her, not me and you, us and Christ. When he was raised, I was raised. And made us sit together. Whew. Raised us and made us sit together. Let me back up here a second. Now, he, he's talking here about the Father. But God, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So he's still talking about the Father. And the Father raised us up together. Us together. Christ and us together. And made us sit together. 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now think about that. Father did this for us, raised us with Christ, and made us sit. Father and the Son, and we are in the Son. We are a part of the Son. Therefore, we are seated together. Can you imagine that? Think of that. He, His love, even after all the dumb things mankind have done, He still loved us, and if we are in Christ, we're seated. Okay, 2 Corinthians uh, 5:17 and 18. Now I'm going to read this to you from the Williams translation, so you don't need to turn there. I want you to listen to the way this is, this is worded. For if anybody is in union with Christ, and the Bible says when we are born again, we are made one spirit with him. So you're joined, joined with him. If anybody is in union with Christ, he is the work of a new creation. The old condition has passed away. A new condition has come. Now listen. Listen. This, is, this has all originated with God. For he through Christ has reconciled me to himself. Oh my, you, you know, you stop and really think on this and the love of God is just overwhelming. Now I say all of that and I'm coming to this right here. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Even so we also should. Should. There's a lot of Christians that don't. But he's saying, you should. It's yours. It's possible. It's yours. If you'll do it, if you'll take it. If you'll dare to believe it. The estrangement that once dominated mankind has, has now been done away with through the redemptive redemption of mankind through the Lord Jesus. What he did on the cross. What Adam screwed up and caused the problem that he caused, Jesus came and fixed it by his blood. The things, now listen, we're closing here in just a minute. 
less than a minute. Don't look at your watch. <laughs> the thing that Adam lost through sin in the garden has now been restored to us and more. We can walk in harmony with God through the righteousness we now walk in. The sickness and disease that once dominated humanity, Jesus bore at the cross. And all these things that Adam lost, God restored to us through his work, on, work through Jesus on the cross. And the, and the Apostle Paul tells us through the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, says we should walk in what is ours. And it all started with that baby in the manger. Well, it didn't start there. God, before the foundation of the world, had this all figured out. But Jesus' coming was the beginning of it in the earth. <clears throat> now, here's, here's a thought. You know, people, people uh, I was walking through the kitchen the other day, and I was, this thought hit me. People will say, well, why did God wait so long to initiate the plan of salvation? I don't know. You got a problem with it? You talk to him. That's above my pay grade. I don't, I don't know. He had, it, he had it figured out. He know, knew when to do it. So, okay. We're through with the message. Now, uh, the other day, Lydia was, last Sunday, I guess it was, Lydia was in the bathroom getting ready, and she was just worshiping God, and, and uh, I, I guess this, when she said it, I thought, that's God. It came out of her. In 24, reach for more. In 24, reach for more. Now, um, you got to come back next week for this. Sunday, next Sunday is, is New Year's Eve, and we will be looking, looking at a new year, and we want to enter that new year prepared for where we're going. We want to we want to have some direction of where where we're going and what we want to do. And I'm not just talking about reaching for stuff. That's that's you know that that can be a part of it, you know, if you need things, that's fine. But there's so many things more that we need. You know, um, can I talk like, talk like a daddy to you? 
Uh, you know, there's faces that I don't see in here that I used to see. There's faces in here that I don't see very often. And uh, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting the body. We should be a dominant force in this town. And he's saying in 24, reach for more. I'm not going to... Uh, you know, the, I, have, I have never seen you bring anybody into this church that you led to the Lord. You know, it says over in, in, I think it's Proverbs, he that wins souls is wise. Now, don't get Baptist on me and get quiet. In the first three months, we need to, knew, to believe God for X number of people that we lead to the Lord and drag them in here. Just getting them saved is not enough. You don't get a baby born and just leave him, leave him on the curb. Say, see you later, son. Take care of yourself. Yeah, Jesus loves you. <laughs> you got to take care of the child. You've got to feed it. You know, even, even a backslider, they have gotten away from the things of God and they need to be brought back by the hand and loved back in. I had a guy that uh, when, I, when I was in Thailand, I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I didn't chase the horse, go out and drink and do drugs. and I knew better than that. My, my mother told me, you reap what you sow. And I thought, I don't want to reap any of those negative things in the rest of my life. And so I didn't do it. But I wasn't, there was, there was no church to go to. And my spiritual life uh, Regressed because I didn't know how to how to feed myself spiritually. You know they didn't teach that in the Baptist church. But uh, when I when I went to Spain, I I lived across the hall from a believer. Merle. Merle was unique. He would never knock on my door. He just come right in. Didn't matter what you were doing. First thing he'd do, he'd go over to the refrigerator and check to see if there was anything in it. I had a, I had a, a, a 7-Up can in there that had a hole in the bottom and it was drained. And he would always go over and check it. I don't know why he kept checking it because it's not going to fill up. But this guy... He, he got me back in church.
He, he kept at it. He kept at it till it got, till the habit returned. Uh, I won't ask. I'll, I'll talk to this guy over here. Uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, how are, how are they doing in your life? Have you been cultivating or developing them? Huh? Talk to me. I'm not going to talk to me, so I'll turn around over here. You know, uh, if the Lord showed up right now and you're out of here, how will, you, how will you be when you are standing in his presence? Embarrassed? Because of some of the things you've neglected? Now, for those of you that don't show up next Sunday, I'll know who took offense. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we, need, we need to be determined. I'm going to increase in my spiritual walk with the Lord. I'm going to increase in developing the fruit of the Spirit so people around me will see I am not a sinner. It's all stand. You need to come back next week and get the rest of the message. Hallelujah. I was thinking about <clears throat> uh, Richard Roberts is going to be coming to minister. And uh, we had Vicki Jameson here a few times. She's gone to be with the Lord now. And uh, he and she have a minister ministry similar. She would get a word of knowledge and she would sing it out. And you know, if, if uh, a word of knowledge comes and it applies to you, I mean, even if it vaguely applies to you, you don't need somebody to come and, and lay hands on you just by faith, take hold of that. Say, Lord, that you're talking to me, Lord. That's me. That's me. I need that, Lord. I'll take it. Thank you, Father. I receive it. And you know that's the same way with Richard Roberts. You need, you need to be. Uh, let's see. How can I say? You need to be. Um, No, not ready, but just operate. There you go. Operate in that just as much as having somebody lay hands on you. See, some people are used to having uh, uh, somebody come and lay hands on them. They're expecting that, and they know when to start believing. Well, when that word of knowledge comes, right then you just start, start believing. Thank you, Father. I take it. That is, that's mine. All right, now, I take it. Amen. You need to, you need to, you need to operate in all the different levels and, and facets.
of the gifts and, and healing. Okay? Amen. So, where was I going with this? Um, Good things in store. Yeah? Amen. So, you know, um, you'll get it. You'll get it. Good things in store. Oh, I remember what it was. <clears throat> There's been a few times that Pastor Lydia has said, you know, I, I want to bless you. You know, a lot of people go... Children will look up and count the ceiling tiles, you know. <laughs> take, take that. That's a spiritual impartation to you. Say, Father, that's going to happen to me. That is mine. I believe I receive that. Okay? Father, we thank you for the, these believers. And Father, we thank you for the good things that you have in store for them. This coming year, just like through from now till the beginning of the year, you've still got good things for them. So, Father, right now, we speak blessing, prosperity, blessing. Life is light and easy. And the walk with you is light and easy because we take your yoke upon us. And we speak to these brothers and sisters that the word of the Lord will come to them and be quickened to their spirits in the areas that they are, they are wanting help in, in the areas that they need insight and wisdom for. We speak your blessing over these brothers and sisters because that's your desire for them. That is your love extended to them. And we thank you for it now, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn and greet somebody around you, and you're dismissed. <laughs>